0: I'm teaching on patterns of praise, patterns of praise. And there's a text that shows God's divine order of approach. And uh, we're to, according to Psalm 100, and if we could turn there, we'll look at Psalm 100. And we're going to read the entire Psalm. And uh, that's easy. It's five verses, but it's so concentrated and glorious. Psalm 100, verse 1, in the New American Standard Bible, you may have an NIV or a King James or a New King James or a Message Bible, whatever you use. Just make sure you read the Word and ponder it. Go th- pour through the pages. It says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before a hymn with joyful singing. This is God's divine order of approach. Shouting, serving. Coming before Him with joyful singing, not morbid singing, but joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who made us, and not we ourselves. Well, that's humbling. This is—we uh, didn't make this up. God made us. God made this. We didn't make this. This is not the contrivance of man's imagination. This—we are the product of God's purposes. It's he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Here you go, verse four. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. You know, I've been on this series on Friday nights and my goal has been to teach and to exhort you guys on this whole divine order of approach. The Bible says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And we're to draw near with worship. We're to to minister to him with singing. And I want to go to Psalm 34, and I want to read this with you guys. I just want to show you about how you can overcome shame and distress, and you can overcome... Depression, and, and uh, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, look at that. It's a volitional thing. I will, say, I will. Amen. I will bless the Lord when I'm really happy. I will bless the Lord when I'm at church on Friday or Sunday. At all times. High times, Amen. hard times. Blase times, victory times, the up and high moments, the difficult moments. And I'll tell you, there's something about this intentionality of this verse. The psalmist is saying, man, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to worship God through the course of my life. I will bless the Lord. You've given me a free will. The Presbyterians talk a lot about free moral agency. And for that matter, the whole church world acknowledges that Adam and Eve were given choices. Every day we have choices. And Moses even said this to the ancient Israel. He said, Behold, I set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. And he says, Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. This isn't just about us. It's about our children's children. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So we're in a continuum. We've inherited much from history. We read about people like David and Jehoshaphat and Paul and Silas, and so forth. We're going to look at that in a glimpse for a moment for review. Then I'm just going to break this down, this divine approach. And Really what I want to reinforce is just what potential there is when we connect up with God in our approach with praise. It says, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And then uh, I think verse 4 I want to look at. Verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. I prayed for somebody at the hospital today. I got home and I said, let's send them flowers. And we found out they got, they got checked out before we could get the flowers to them. That's good. And he delivered me from all my fears. He delivered me from all my fears. Fear is a manipulative tool of the devil. The Bible says in the end times, men's hearts will fail them for fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, we all are familiar with it. God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power and love and a sound mind. And uh, so we don't cave in to fear. Fear is the acrostic I heard somebody say is great. False evidence appearing is real. And uh, we actually are not called to torment. We're not destined for wrath. Jesus came to redeem us from all that garbage and put us in a solid footing, a secure place. And I love this verse. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. We get results. How many of you are results oriented? Listen, we're not playing games. I mean, we're not, just, we're not just giving our lives to a bunch of theory. And even what I'm teaching here about these patterns of praise, I just want to make it clear. I'm not giving you some sort of formulaic thing that if you do this, you'll get this. But yet, I sought the Lord and he answered me. So, in a sense... There, there is a cause and effect to everything. And God has set spiritual laws in motion. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. And we saw the Old Testament example of Jehoshaphat and the people of Israel or Judah in a conflict. And how God answered them when they didn't know what to do. They were very fearful. And, and, and Jehoshaphat, this great, powerful military king, he, he was afraid. He was frightened by the situation. And he said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are fixed on you. And God said, station yourselves, you're going to see the salvation of the Lord, the battle is the Lord's, and then God gave him an interesting strategy. I want you to get praisers out there with instruments and trumpets and timbrels and, and tambourines and so forth, and I want you to go forth ahead of the, the fighters, and I want them to sing praises to God. What I think that did is more, much more than a morale boost, but I think it got everybody's heart and mind off of the... The fear of the moment and on to how great and faithful God is. Look what it says. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. Wow. They looked to him and they were radiant. I looked that up in the Hebrew. In the King James it says lightened. And it's uh, the, the Hebrew word is nahar, and it means cheerfulness. Their faces were never ashamed. Their faces were brought into, into shining. They looked to him, and they got out of that sad, depressed look. He made his face shine upon them, and then a merry heart makes a cheerful face. When your heart is informed of the truths and the promises of God, it brings confidence And getting back to that, delivered me from all my fears, I noticed an interesting uh, translation or definition in the Hebrew. From all my fears, the Hebrew word for fear means what we think, a fright, something startling or upsetting, upsetting or unsettling. But it's also translated as a granary or a barn. Now, I looked at that and I thought, how can this word for fear also be barn? And then I started to meditate on this, and I thought about how fear, like faith, is planted as seeds of thought. And that they were, this psalmist was, he had a lot of accumulated fears, almost like a collection of them. Like, like you drive by a, a, in Alton, they have, they have a granary there by the river, big giant silos, beautiful silos in Alton. And uh, farmers will come with the grain they've collected and they'll fill the seeds up in those things and, and it'll be stockpiled. Uh, and that's a good thing. That'll feed people. This, this, we live in the breadbasket. Is, isn't it great? We live by all these beautiful farmers who provide food for us. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but in the negative, this psalmist is saying, when you have a barn full of bad seed in your life, God will deliver you from that whole silo full of freak-out material that gets up in your headspace, in my headspace. He's the glory and the lifter of our heads. I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I think of the men and the women who have transitioned in business situations in the course of my pastoring, and the ones who've asked me to pray for them, and I've gotten in their, you know, though I'm not in their problem, I've been invited in to participate in terms of agreement as a pastor to get in there and hear from God for them and with them and, you know, do my part, pray in faith and so forth. And if God gives me anything to offer that, occasions of counsel. And I've watched concern on the breadwinners. I've watched these shifts and trends in the society like you guys have. And uh, like David said, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken where God's seed big for bread. And I've watched people that came in con- with consternation, but looked unto him, and they were lightened. They were helped. Their faces shined. What does it say? I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him, and they were radiant. <laughs> wow. Do you know, I visited a man. The doctor said he won't come out of the hospital. But while we were together, the respiratory person took the thing off his face and gave him just a nose thing, and he was so relieved. And he just got, he just got really strengthened, and he got better. He said he got better. And it was like, well, you know, he could just bust out of there and just have an extension. But the thing I want to say to you is the, the security, the radiance on this man's face in this stage, even in this challenge in his elderly life, You know, and some of the pastors are nodding because they visited him as well. It's very interesting. Not a morbid, dull, diminished thing. They looked to him and they were radiant. And uh, you shine with uh, the light. God is light. And we're children of light. And when we look to him, that light gets on our countenance. He's the glory and the lifter of our head. A merry heart makes a cheerful face. A merry heart has a continual feast. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. There's a mending going on as we're pondering these things. It's not just uh, the power of suggestion. It's the power of God's word. I'm not just suggesting to you. I'm preaching and teaching what this, the scriptures say. And um, they looked to him and they were lightened. They were made cheerful. I mean, this is pretty exciting, really. And they, their faces were not ashamed. So I read these devotionals, and a couple days ago I read in the God Calling, it says, See, my children, that even in distress, the first step is praise. Before you cry in your distress, be sure to bless the Lord, even when troubles seem to overwhelm you. This is counterintuitive. Our emotions don't necessarily like this, but this is, in fact, God's divine order of approach. And I want to show you what this makes you do and what this makes you not do. He said, this is my divine order of approach. Observe this always. In the greatest distress, search until you find cause for thankfulness. Then, bless and thank. On my day off, I found a little pond and I was fishing for bass. I took a little ultralight with a jig to catch bluegill and crappie. And then I took a larger uh, bass, rod with a texas rig it had a big hook oversized hook a rubber worm that was laced onto it and above it was a slider bullet weight and i was fishing and i was just having a peaceful time i was just you know enjoying enjoying the sunshine and recovering from the weekends work you know and just trying to just decompress with a little bit of fishing and i was figuring out where the fish were and i thought you know it's autumn and they're going to be feeding and i'm going to catch a big maybe 10-pound bass. you know. So I'm fishing. That's what you think when you go fishing. But I, I snagged a tree branch. And when I snagged the tree branch, I did what I always do. I reel, I reel up to get right up to the branch, and then you pull it to get it out of the sea so you can recover your lure. Uh, only you, you're supposed to pull away and put your face away. So for some reason, I just, was, I just had a lapse. And I pulled, and it just came right out of the tree. And the bullet weight hit me right in the open eye I fell to the ground I just as soon as I'm, I'm happy to announce to you that before I whimpered like a baby I, I thought about how Jesus touched their eyes and said be it unto you according to your faith it hit me so hard blood was running out of my eye I really heard it and uh, I walked you know I, I reeled in I got my you know just pulled the line up and just got up to the house Patsy got in the car and uh, Nancy set me up with a local eye doctor, and they were gracious to get me in quickly. And I'm happy to announce God protected me Amen. from my negligence as a fisherman. And, you know, it's like, well, what, how, how did that happen? It was just, just foolishness. I left my sunglasses. I think if I had had my sunglasses, they could have acted as a shield. Uh, but such is life. And yet God delivered me. And, you know, instead of going... If God really loved me, then how did this, He allow this to happen? It's like, God, thank you for what didn't happen. I know why it happened, because I was being a doofus. I, you know, and I've realized now bass fishing is a contact sport. Right? It's not, yeah, so they call those bullet weights for good reason. But in distress, we've got to look for something to be thankful for. So when the flood of 93 hit, I had to look for something to be thankful for. And I was thankful, for example, that God gave us a prophetic heads up to prepare the church for cleanup. And the Lord had instructed me, don't have people run off everywhere to sandbag, save their energies, save your leadership quotient, and blow the trumpet for the church to prepare to do cleanup. So I thought it would be in St. Charles or St. Genevieve or one of the low-lying areas. No one here really had any comprehension that this valley itself would flood because the agricultural levy wasn't really up to par. Long story short, instead of getting into depression, I was able to recover and get into thanks and praise. And this is, I think, really what this describes as God's divine order of approach. Patsy and I did this yesterday. We drove around and we just decided to settle on some things in prayer and praise and just started dealing with some things. We don't have time to go back to it to review it, but the Old Testament example, you could write this down and read it later. 2 Chronicles 20, when Jehoshaphat had three different armies coming at them. And he said, God, what should I do? And as I said, you know, he put the praisers out there. And, the uh, yeah, well, I will read this one part because... It's just so strong. It says in verse 22, when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and so they were routed. Hallelujah. So when they were worshiping and praising God, the Lord did something amazing. And it says in verse 21, Give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness is everlasting. That's an Old Testament example of a very challenging national crisis and how God compelled the people of Judah to worship the Lord. And when they did, they got a great result. New Testament example, famously, Paul and Silas, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. At about midnight, they had cast a demon out of a slave girl with a spirit of divination. Can you imagine this? They got thrown in jail for setting somebody free from a demon. Crazy. Society's crazy. 2,000 years ago, it was crazy. It's crazy now. But they were, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And uh, again, it's not formulaic. Jehoshaphat had a military strategy that was downloaded to him, it was God's idea we now have the benefit of reading about it in history from history. And we have a developed point of view where we could look from antiquity and we could see what people did in their respective generations. With Jehoshaphat, he got a great result. The enemy routed against each other and ambushed each other. And then they had, I think they spent three days collecting the spoils. <laughs> and uh, the Lord could turn a society around with people who pray And praise God. Uh, This is what we'll do when when we we shift our focus. This is what I think happened with Jehoshaphat and Paul and Silas. Here's what they did and here's what they didn't do. When they praised God, it prevented them from going quiet, getting introspective, getting brooding, getting moody. Worshiping God and ministering to God and praying and praising God got their minds off their problems and onto the promises. They were thankful. They found things they identified with to be thankful for, and that prevented them from yielding to self-pity. Right? Because self-pity is a killer of progress. It stagnates you. When you're in self-pity, you can have a pity party and you invite people and nobody wants to come. And when you get into self-pity or I get or we've gotten into self-pity, it's a miserable position to be in. And, And again, I'm not trivializing anybody's problems. In fact, I love one of the things I love about being a Christian is we're full-on realists. We're not in denial about anything. We know that life is challenging. We know there are problems. We know sin separates us from God. We know there's a hell. There's a heaven. We're not in denial about these these harsh uh, facts. But what we're doing is we're denying Satan the right to get up in our headspace like the fears... The definition, the same word for fears, is a granary or a barn. I, I hope you can get a revelation on this. Think about it. The accumulation and storage house of fears. He said he delivered me from all my fears. Isn't it amazing? You, can, well, you and I, we can have deliverance from all the anxiety-producing garbage that tries to accumulate. And I'm telling you, I've noticed this about the strategies of the devil. For we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he'll try to come in and attack on all fronts, our spiritual life, our sense of spiritual well-being. He'll try to mess with our minds and our thought processes, our relationships, our finances, our atmosphere, the quality of life around us. And it's up to us as believers to fight the good fight of faith. Pastor Patsy's been teaching on the kings who... They would seek the Lord, and as long as they would seek God for direction, God would give them direction. When they tried to go on autopilot, it created problems. And this, again, is, is, is what I really feel is a great aspect of our faith, is God gives divine order of approach, and we just never grow out of it. We never, we never advance past the Word of God or the patterns of the Word of God. It's always a sure foundation for every area of our lives. Patsy and I have been married for 40 years, and we, you know, have made a commitment to be, you know, very candid about the the, the great blessings and the and the challenges, so that we're not projecting something artificial, and uh, uh, not embellishing like, oh man, we are we are just so slick, and you know, we figured it all out. Well, no, it. What we know is God will help you when you're strong-willed and you're, there's polarity and you're butting heads or you don't have the same kind of a way you approach conflicts and things like that and God is faithful to help you to live up to the covenant you make that's my testimony and that's God will help a sinner become a saint he'll help an overwhelmed king become a great champion and I'll tell you I like Jehoshaphat's testimony because in the Bible it was very candid this guy was fearful he was upset he was really desperate it's not like, hey, I'm a superhero with a cape and you know, I, I can leap over a building with a single bound. You know, David did say I can run through a troop and leap over a wall, but the reason was because of the power of God always intervening and always being there for him. So they fought the fight of faith and they didn't cave in. They didn't just drop. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. And Paul told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith and for that matter, God tells all of us this is the fight of life. I've watched children be born, and they fight for breath. I've been with people at their last moments, and they fight for breath. I was raised by a stepdad who fought through life. He fought self-pity. He fought off sickness. He was uh, exemplary in this regard. Some of the great mentors of my young Christianity were scrappers. They, didn't, they weren't passive. They fought the good fight of faith. Uh, another thing they, they did do, Jehoshaphat and Paul and Silas, is they expressed gratitude, which is the opposite of murmuring and complaining. The Bible says do all, thing without, all things without grumbling. And, and the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So a little of this will go a long way. And, and I hope you're doing great right now because I, I want to supplement a good thing. But in case you're in a struggle right now, God is the same God when you're going through that, hot, that hard time or the height. He never changes. He never moves. He, his throne is forever and ever. We receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Our human condition is what feels vacillating and things. But the good news about that even is that we could actually build our house on solid rock rather than on shifting sand. And that, in fact, is what the man said at the hospital today. He said, the word of God has helped me so much. Please read that. And I was reading it. The respiratory therapist came and he said, did, did you lose track of where you were? I said, no. I got back on it. I was reading it to him and it was feeding his spirit. It was feeding his spirit. And it wasn't like, well, I'm a clergyman and here's my hospital visit and I'm going to, here's my text. No, it's like life to life. Yeah. life to, it's the same thing tonight. Preaching. It's a fascinating thing. That's why I love being in meetings where I can just hear the word. I love coming to my own church when a guest speaker comes, and I just take so many notes, and I get so excited about getting it. What's the Lord saying? You know, this person has studied and prayed, and oftentimes when our guest speakers come, I have a relationship with, with the, the, it's a relational kind of a thing, and I'll say, hey, you want to get together? You know, I actually, I want to prepare tonight. And just, I have my notes and stuff together, but I want to really work on it. So God bless you, man. Okay, we'll fellowship later. And that's so why I come and, and it's like rapt attention. It's like, come on, Lord, feed me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I think praise and worship keeps us from becoming apathetic. I think there's no complacency in here right now. In fact, during the praise and worship, there's just an involvement. Where else can you? It's not a sing along. We're connecting with God. This is God's divine order of approach. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. I've actually found I have a lot of requests and petitions. I have some spiritual battles, big-time responsibilities like you do. But yet there's something about the atmosphere that worshipful, faith-filled songs of praise, cheerful, joyous singing, shout unto God with a voice of triumph, and sometimes you do it in a whisper when you're alone, you know. Like if I remember driving around with my dad, and uh, I would just start praying in tongues. I'd start worshiping and He'd go, "Excuse me," I said, uh, and I would forget we were in the car together, So I had so much pressure on my life. And he was he was a new guy in the church, so he would be like, "Excuse me," and I would be like talking in tongues, and he'd be like, "Excuse me," I said, "Uh, uh yeah, uh, uh, nothing, Dad. Yeah, it was just." And, and uh, I found my. <laughs> I found myself doing this in different places. And you just kind of catch yourself. Uh, But we're to praise the Lord at all times. The gladness that comes to your heart, the light that comes on you, the burden that's rolled away as a result of looking unto Jesus. They looked to him and they were helped, made his face shine upon us. They looked to him and they were lightened, they were made radiant. And in fact, getting back to this devotional, the shame and distress will be lifted too. Psalm 26, 6 says, So I will compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wondrous works. There's something about magnifying the Lord and talking of his wondrous works in a very deliberate and intentional way. We just take a moment and go, you know, remember when the Lord this remember when this happened we prayed and the Lord turned this around yeah I remember that thanks for reminding me you know this happened once really wow tell me again they went positive and it prevented them from going negative you go in there and you minister to the Lord it's not like a suspension of reality it's not like denial it's not like I'm happy happy giddy giddy happy it's like I am happy because the big deal's covered and I'm, you know, even thinking. I remember in the atmosphere I became a Christian in Southern California in the early '70s, the counterculture, the hostility, the, the race divide, the, the cultural divide. It was strong where I lived. It was concentrated where I lived. It was rough. There was a division between generations. There was much of a generation gap. We're the young people. We've got our own music. You're, you know, you're old. There was an attitude, disrespect to authority and so forth, and yet God just reached in with his love and stirred up the denominational church and moved them from religious formalism to a new birth experience and baptism of the Holy Spirit and amazing people that would normally not have become comrades, had camaraderie. Uh, There were people that were being saved from such extreme things and being delivered from so much sin, and there was so much gratitude and so much positive kind of testimonies. So there was like constant atmosphere of testimonies. Some of you I've known your whole lives. But then there are entry people that are new right now. And I, I welcome you. I was that guy. I'm now the guy that's been here a long time. But I, I relate to you. I relate to the new people. And we, we must, as a church, uh, be fresh. And, and, and help people to come into the connection with God and enjoy the Lord and walk with God in the fullness and the wonders of his works and his goodness. Praise cured depression, fear, doubt, and unbelief. In Jehoshaphat's experience, and for that matter, all of Judah, for Paul and Silas, to where the atmosphere that was set by prayer and praise caused the, the jailer's household to be saved. And I, you know, I'm, I'm just convinced That we can do something about the situations we're in right now as individuals, collectively as a church family, people like us all over the world. We can pray, get in position with God, and uh, we can see some things uh, completely turned around. How many of you are married? Okay, then I lose blessing on your marriage. If the shoe fits, put it on. I am believing God for you to have a breakthrough. If you're doing great, I pray it just stays great. strife Strife doesn't cultivate in your world, okay? How many of you are single? Let me see your hands if you're single. I pray you achieve the maximum of what God has for you in these upcoming days. It's a very virtuous position you're in. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness toward us, Lord. We lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. We worship you.